Ladies and gents, what is up? I just wanted to drop in to remind you before this incredible episode about spirits and entities and weird, weird things get started um, to remind you that you are an enchanting child of nature and you have extraordinary capabilities. You rule. You have a magical brain, heart, and gut. Your body is a miraculous masterpiece. You have 206 bones and 640 muscles, along with organs and ligaments and joints and arteries and tendons and tissues, all dancing together towards your beautiful function. Your senses allow you to experience the world to experience your surroundings, to experience this podcast. Be grateful for the small things in life, like the ability to wipe your ass and sleep through the night without pissing all over yourself or the person next to you. Because not everybody is as fortunate as you, and you may not always be that fortunate either. So I'm blessing these fingers as I press play on this insanely incredible roller coaster of an episode of Never Stop Peaking. Peace! Here we go! It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon. While your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Woo woo <laughs> I don't know if it's okay to say that Because I think that's what the juggalos do Woo woo Family, family. Uh, what's up, everybody? What's up, lovers? What is up, beautiful people? I'm so pumped that you are here, as always. Um, this is a very special episode because it's episode number two with Jared and Gaza. And for anybody who has never read my story or heard about Jared and Gaza, he was a staple in changing my life. Uh, with a really weird angle to it. So he was a stranger that I met on a plane who planted a seed and in all sorts of different wavelengths and forms and trips around the world and weird coincidences, uh, we had some collisions with certain entities that matched, um, kind of led me over to Jules Schroeder, who's on the next episode as well. And the story is very strange and very weird. And I want you to hear it because it'll open up your mindset to the possibility that there is a much bigger source than you or I, and we can connect to it to become these gigantic creatures um, with unbelievable habits, unbelievable visions, and not only just look at those visions, uh, but work towards them every single day and bring them to life. And bringing visions to reality are what we like to do in a lifestyle where we never stop peaking. So I'm really excited about this show. We'll get into it in a second. It's a long one. Uh, it's about two hours because we couldn't stop talking about all these weird things. Jared was 
imprisoned in Rwanda when I met him. He was extradited by the U.S. Um, he did a lot for me in the beginning through one simple sentence, which you'll hear later in the episode. Also, this is a new podcast launch. I know I had the old show at the Artsy Now um, podcast or artsynow.com. This is a new launch for Never Stop Peaking. And because of that, I have no reviews on iTunes. I'm not going to heckle you guys or come give you wedgies or pee in your pillows or anything like that if you don't do it. But for every person who does leave me a review for the show, I will donate $2 to a foundation I've been working with in Uganda that I was out with this summer called Help International. Um, I've met these kids in person. I've seen the situation. I've seen the orphanage and how it's built into a school. And we're trying to build a uh, really the most advanced computer lab in the area. And the funny thing is these kids are all from sort of the slums of Masese and um, the fact that they actually get to have the nicest computers and this high form of education is really, really magical to me. And for everybody who wants to help me with that, please leave a review. I'll donate $2 um, towards the Help International Fund and I'll read your reviews on the show. As always, if you have any questions throughout the show or you have any commentary for me or Jared or any of the guests, you can go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice. And you can leave a voice message very easily um, through the website. You can also submit a message through the contact form if you so wish. For every show, also, we are doing a giveaway, um, usually related to whoever the guest is, or if it's a solo show, it's something I pick myself. So to get entered into this giveaway, we're actually giving away one of Jared's physical books called When Wisdom Meets Passion, with he, which he wrote with his dad, uh, Dan Miller, who some of you might know because he has like one of the top three podcasts on iTunes all the time. Um, we're going to send one of those copies out. So go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway and you'll get entered into this one and all of the following giveaways that we do throughout this show. So you just have to do it once and that's pretty tasty. So get those nipples out, get them pierced up, juice yourself up, shake that booty because this episode is going to blow your socks off. Yeah, baby. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to get right into this because it's a long one and I hope you guys go in maybe with a dirty cloudy mind and come out with the cleanest bum and behind that you've ever had in your life, because it will get in you. It will move around and it will get some stuff juicing inside. Have fun, everybody. Much love. Let me introduce you, Jared, because yeah, I'm going to roll with this recording and I don't want people to be confused. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> there's a lot of story that we're probably going to get into. We definitely don't have enough time. I will make sure that you come back because there are so many topics. I think that we can, there's, there's going to be regular guests in the show and I can really, I have a vision of you being one of them if it opens up for you. Um, but Jared and Gaza is, I would say that you are the perfect beast mode combination of a scary maniac warrior and like a huge hearted teddy bear. Um, you, you know, you you can put accolades, like you say, you're a brand architect, a philanthropist, you've done all these incredible things, but you've not lived a traditional life. You've have lived a very unconventional life by discovering it out yourself, um, yeah. from a very young age and your book that you did with your dad, his, his dad is Dan Miller, by the way, he does 48 days to the work you love, um, all sorts of books. He does have a monstrous podcast. He's always on like the top page for careers, um, 
what's his podcast? It's called 48 Days, right? Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, it's, it's always kind of in the top, top 10 there. So. Yeah. He lives in Nashville. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Yeah. And Franklin, Franklin. Yeah. That will tie back around in a second when we talk about how I met Jared, but uh, Jared runs an EP radio, which is the podcast. And he does a lot of discussion about uh, philosophy, science, consciousness, uh, politics, culture, you the recent really the big great awakening and enlightenment in my opinion, and which is why I'm drawn in so much to it. Um, you had an episode out Deepak, uh, Ramola. Yeah. That, that was a great episode. And oh, one thanks. thing that I took away from it was, well, you're the questions. That you guy asked was him, on fire, man. It was did. so many quotables. I kind of, I, I couldn't stop typing. <laughs> I know you, you, but you asked the best questions for him. It just like all worked together perfectly. And remember when he uh-huh. said, um, that he, you asked him one towards the end, I think, and he talked about how he was just striving not to be a star, but to be a constellation, you know, oh, and to no, kind of leave so that story. And I was like, yeah. oh, like that's yeah. so good. Um, I know it's like everything that came out of his mouth was like this, like I wanted to put it in, in bronze or something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you. Well, he's, yeah, he was a great guest. He was clearly incredible, but it's, it's an incredible show also. Um, you he, doesn't, he hasn't heard the show, by the way. He's in some ashram at some <laughs> far off place in India somewhere, and he doesn't even know it's out yet. <laughs> yeah, he's, what a maniac. Yep. And yeah, against he, all he, odds, too, man. It was just a, a very, very awesome guest and pretty much anyone yeah. that, I've, that I've listened to. But um, anepiradio.com, you can get links to that. Uh, Jared also co-authored with his dad, When Wisdom Meets Passion, which is a very... I think it's a very unique way to show the comparison between our generations and how they can work. And by that, I mean the generations, uh, maybe millennials and what's your generation, generation X or I'm gen X. Yeah. Yeah. Gen X. I think I'm on the middle. I'm 32. So, but, okay. and then our parents' generation and just kind of how you guys brought your stories in and, and how they intertwine and, and how he's fully supportive of what you were doing, even though it was just drastically different from, what he does. You know what I mean? Um, and then the storytelling it, you, did you record the audiobook yourself? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it was a big deal. It's one of dad's favorite stories, by the way, <laughs> about the recording. Cause I I'm severely, severely dyslexic. <laughs> um, so, oh, so you were sitting down to <laughs> you imagine me sitting down to read a book on a mic. Oh my God. My, I thought my dad's head was going to pop off <laughs> um, because you know, he's one take Dan just boom done perfect <laughs> every time and i'd be i'd be on like round six you know <laughs> a paragraph and but i did it i just said you know what i'm gonna do it because it's it, it'll be authentic i listen to tons of audiobooks i love it when the author does it because you get a little bit more flavor you know of their personality and so on uh so i just hammered it out and we it was a i mean it was a nice studio down in nashville uh you know old music city usa and it was cool. I'm glad I did it. Uh, it was quite a challenge and I did get through it. And my dad likes to tell a story now. So that's cool. <laughs> so that it blew my mind because at that point in my life, if anybody that's listening to this, listen to the artsy now show. Um, I mean, that hadn't even started yet. And I was pretty young when I realized like I had continued to follow your father because I met you on a plane, strangely enough. <laughs> I was going to a job and this is too long of a story. Like you guys can read the details of the story. If you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash story. 
Um, I just read through all of it when you posted it the other day and I was having a chuckle. <laughs> I actually, it's, it's just really crazy. And I, I do want to talk about it enough because it's very powerful. And Jared is actually here to talk about storytelling and how powerful it can be too. Um, but one of the, one of the things that is really hard for us to understand is like, what does it take to spark an awakening to rise up in us, to enlighten us, to make that change in life? I think there's a lot of people in life that never have that moment that sparks the opportunity to think, oh, there's a bigger picture. There's something else I should be working towards and actually believes in it and moves towards it. But for me, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. Like I was going to get, you know, I was on an airplane going to interview for a job and it was all that stuff that doesn't matter right now. Um, it was a job in the concrete construction industry, which I did end up working in for the next eight, nine years. But what happened on the plane was very strange because I get on this plane and I'm in, I mean, at that point in my life, I'm a raging asshole. Like I, and I just, just uh, get about to get out of college. You couldn't be, you know, just got legal drinking age was drinking mass. I mean, consuming every type of drug, everything you could how, possibly how imagine. You? Dude, I think it was like 21. I, I like, I never really thought about it until just now, actually. I just, you were just a it human. It was like 10 years ago. Can you believe much. that? 10 years wow. ago. I would never have yeah. imagined being here now talking to you at that. It's fucking crazy how things work. I, I wouldn't die there. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm on this plane and, you know, I, I don't even think I had a bag because I was just flying down to Texas and flying back that day. And Jerry gets on the plane and, and like, it's one of those Southwest flights where you're like, fuck, somebody's going to sit in the middle seat. I hope somebody doesn't sit in the middle seat. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there like, Oh God, no. And then of course Jerry comes and sits in the middle seat and I'm like, Oh fuck. And then I'm like, well, God damn. Like the truth about it was you scared the hell out of me. I was like, you made me uncomfortable because you know, you had the <laughs> tattoos and like you looked like you didn't care. And I was like, this guy's going to read me the whole time. Or maybe he just, you know, he's a, this guy is a complete asshole. Look at him. Like, I was judging you so bad, dude. And it's so to be able to grow from that and look back and understand what I was doing and how different my mind was and the control of my ego versus the self is a very magical thing to be able to witness. But um, long, long, long story short, like you started talking to me and it was nothing as what I had expected. Um, you asked me about what I was doing and why. Most people never ask why. I was like, well, because they pay more money. Like, that's why, you know, or I'm going down. I think I probably even lied to you and told you I was doing website stuff because that's really what I wanted to be doing. But I was actually going down there and, and working with, uh, it was like an oil rigger that was going to be in the middle of the ocean repairing concrete structures or something. But you you didn't even care about what I was doing. You simply just asked me if I loved it. That was like a one. I, I do. Like, I do remember <laughs> uh, saying, oh, wow, you're coming all this way. You must love it. And you were like, uh, <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, wait, what? Love it. Like, are you crazy? Like, there's no, uh, no. And, and if that, if the conversation would have ended there, I would have never really learned anything other than like, that guy is a lunatic. He thinks that you can love working in like concrete or whatever, but it didn't end there because I eventually asked you what you were doing <laughs> and that was, right. that's what changed everything for me. Like you opened up the gateway with the question. Um, but then you got into your story and how you, and I can, hmm. I still can't, we talked about this and then I wrote it back in the article. You had been extradited right from you were in Kenya at that time. Is that correct? Uh, well, you had just gotten well, back. I, I'm trying to remember at the time, but I, I was, uh, 
if the story was at the point where I had been extradited, then I would have been had, I would have just left Rwanda at that time via escort from the U.S. State Department. Well, you were going from Houston to, or you were going from uh, Nashville to Houston. Yeah. And I can't remember. I was probably going, I mean, that's where my wife's Your wife's family. family. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. So I was probably going there for, for, uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly. I don't, I mean, either that or I was on my way back out of the country. I don't recall. You had just gotten uh, back. I, I remember that. To Houston to get to Rwanda or Kenya. Pardon? You, yeah, you had just gotten back and you couldn't tell me a lot of things because there was a weird situation going on, which you can be a lot more oh. open about now. Okay. I, now I re- that's <laughs> okay, why yeah. we had that no, last exactly conversation. Exactly when that yeah. was. Yes, yeah. it, it was. We had just gotten back. Uh, we were not married yet. We were just newly together. I proposed to her about two weeks before I was extradited. (laughs) Um, uh, and yeah. And then we had, we had come back there and then I, you know what, that was, that was probably when I met you, I was arriving in Houston two weeks after that, I received full exoneration papers from the government of Rwanda. (laughs) <laughs> I had been blackmailed anyway, but it was, I mean, it was always a bogus charge, but, uh, but then they exonerated me completely said none of it could ever be brought up again and blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of in the, but when I met you, I, that hadn't happened yet. And I was kind of fearing I'd never be able to go back to Rwanda and I have a Rwandan kid. So that presents yeah. even more of a problem than, than usual. So, uh, anyway, but it, it did, it, it turned out well in the end, by the way. And I did actually go back and do some consulting work there. <laughs> so Jared, <laughs> Jared was working a lot against, he was speaking out against women's rights. He was doing a lot to protect um, and to bring awareness to some issues that were going on out there that were really bad. And in the midst of all that, he got tangled into um, a scheme where he essentially was being blackmailed. Well, you figured out that there was something wrong going on, right? And then- I was there working on on gender equality issues gender, yeah. and, and, and trying to promote gender equality and uh, and-, and gender equality and women's rights are kind of two different, you know, similar things, but they're different tangos. Uh, and then, uh, I was also working on, it's funny, sometimes I'm still hesitant to talk about it. I'm like, well, I guess it's been a really long time, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I was also working as an informant on, on trafficking issues. And, and that really was a, a lot of the, uh, that's what brought the heat more than the gender stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, Obviously, you know, there's people that didn't want those <laughs> those little uh, trafficking rings to be dissipated or to to be uh, destroyed. So there, yeah, there was a blackmail situation, and and then it and then like somebody else jumped in, and then it was like and it just like it was like a pile on. Everybody just like jumped on me. I was like, what on earth? And I was like, I'm not the guy that just like flew in here for the weekend to, to like exploit the Rwandans or something. I, I live here. I've been here for five years, <laughs> full time. Uh, so it was, it, yeah, it was just a, it was obviously very hurtful at the time as well. Uh, but I felt like if I didn't, if I laughed at any point, then everybody's going to say, oh yeah, see, he he's guilty. guilty. Yeah. He ran. So I stuck it out for that crap for three years. And you stuck it out, but... By doing so, you were being picked up every single day, right? Taken to a, a holding cell, basically. Um, they couldn't hold you overnight. Yeah. I think you told me that. For how long? Four, 
four well, weeks, they were, four months. They were mean, but not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and they were fighting with the U.S. State Department because it was my. I, hey, here's news. I did not know this, but apparently your passport is not your property. It's the State Department's property. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that either until yeah. then. But I was like, yeah. Uh, but they, the so the Rwandan government was holding my passport um, against the will of the U.S. State Department. And then when that started happening, I was like, oh, crap. Now these guys are fighting. Somebody's going to go down for this. It's probably going to be them. It's probably going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it got, it got pretty hairy there for a while. But the, the U.S. ambassador, Stuart Symington, I've never thanked him on the air, but thank you, Stuart Symington, <laughs> for saving my life <laughs> from seven years of prison in Rwanda. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, his brother is the famous like politician in Arizona that's famous for seeing like UFOs. I love <laughs> how it I all love comes that wraps back around again. <laughs> yeah, I found that out like five or six years later. By the way, well, you so you were, you know, they were picking you up and they were holding you. Obviously, I remember you had to get your wife out um, beforehand because they yeah. showed up. They wanted to take her captive too, right? The, the, I smuggled her out in a uh, ambulance truck, you know, like the African style. Um, <laughs> this kind of, this and, has to come out in a book, man. Like this is a this is a movie <laughs> scenario. I, I'm this, right? uh, fair enough. I'd love to do it. Uh, yeah, she went out in the night because uh, I was in an interrogation room, and, and I had overheard in another room a, a girl uh, basically hanging out <laughs> my future wife, <laughs> and and I was like because the allegations towards me were in 2007, she didn't get there in, in two, uh, yeah, she didn't get there for a year later. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Things are getting really squirrely now. If she's getting pinned for the same stuff, she didn't even know me. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, we got to get her out. And she had been working in Uganda for, for, uh, I don't know, three or four years, three years or so at the time anyway, two, no, two or three years, I guess. And then I thought, you know what, let's get her to Rwanda, get her safe. And the next day they showed up looking for her. God, it's crazy. So your intuition and, helped you yeah, out and there. And she had like a horrible, she got hit by an 18 wheeler. Well, not 18 wheeler, a truck trailer, whatever with three, you know, in Uganda, you know, Uganda, they have like, they had three trailers yeah. on it. She got hit by that in, um, in, uh, where was it? It was right over the, right over the, uh, border into Uganda. So that was happening while we had radio silence. By the way, I have I was working with like five or six different throwaway phones that we were mixing up back and forth. I was trading them with street kids because we were they were listening to everything. It was nuts, dude. Uh, I mean, oh it's fun to talk about now, but at the time, I, it was like I was in the twilight zone. It, and so to have such a powerful story, you end up on this plane next to me. Um, <laughs> obviously, I have no experience of anything near like this much, you know. And you're probably you're way happier than me, despite all of this stuff that's going on, but you did something. You opened up this idea. Like you, you, you showed me your phone first of all. Cause at first I was like, this guy is full of shit. Like there's no way, but you had all these, you had like brands or something that you had spent time with tribes getting initiated. You told me how long it took to get accepted by locals and to be trusted. And, um, you showed me a picture of a fucking, of a black mamba that you had like chopped the head off of. And there was like a lizard coming out of it. mouth. <laughs> That was in my, that was in Ilea. I stopped saying my wife. It was in Ilea's house. Um, when, yeah, when we had just met 
and uh, and and one her housemate came into the room and said, "Could you ask your boyfriend to come in here, please?" <laughs> and I walked in. I was like, "Oh my god, that's not just a like there's a black mamba on your floor in the living room. We got to deal with this." Yeah. Well. So, I mean that, but it immediately it was like it opened up this this closed room world to me to the possibility that people, because I mean originally from Tennessee, like can go um, do bigger things and. And I still didn't know how, I didn't know why, but that spark um, that most people never get, that spark for me to kind of awaken and plant a seed that there was another possibility, that happened then. And you had some jewelry um, that you were bringing back, which is, it all comes full circle too, because I bought a couple of necklaces off you to support um, the foundation that you were working with, Kaza or... Um, Kaza, yeah. Yeah, Kaza. And I thought it was incredible. And I gave them like my mom and... and for, for Christmas and stuff. They're beautiful. They still have them. Um, but you know, last August I was in Uganda for a while working and then we're coming back with duffel bags full of this pita jewelry (laughs) and I'm, and it's all hitting me again. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird. It's like, I remember thinking about this kind of stuff 10 years ago when it was a completely different life. And now I'm like that seed had, you know, it had grown into this experience that I am now having. and And it started with, you kind of sharing your story, but also um, you asked me for my address and you sent me a copy of your dad's book, which was originally called No More Mondays. I don't know if it's still called No More Mondays. I think he changed it a little bit, didn't he? It was, the, the publisher changed it to No More Dreaded Mondays. Ah, okay. I like That's no how more, he felt about it, I actually. like No More Mondays better. <laughs> yeah, but, we did too. Um, so, and I started reading that book and was like, it was probably the first self-help book I'd ever opened. And mm. at that point I was just drinking. I wasn't reading anyway. So I was like, this is interesting. And I remember, I remember reading it and I kept it in and it put more thoughts in my head of like, you know, this is possible to have a lifestyle where you don't have to be just so depressed every single day to roll into Monday because every day can be the same if you're working passionately towards, you know, your higher self and, and kind of lighting your spark. Um, of course it took me six or seven years of raging alcoholism to figure out that I needed to make a change. Um, in my story, if you read it, you'll find out that there were several times where, I mean, one in particular where I woke up on my garage floor with a nosebleed, no idea what had happened. My car was in the front yard, still running, basically about to be out of gas. Um, everything smelled like fumes from the gas running all night. And there's a bottle of whiskey. Like, I have no clue what had happened, but I got my car in the front yard and I apparently was driving. Um, and it was just rock bottom stuff for me for those types of things to happen over and over again. But I never forgot that moment on the plane, I never forgot you. And I forgot everything else, dude. There's nothing from that time in my life I remember, but I never forgot you. I never forgot that book because they were meaningful. And I think that they were playing towards what would happen in the future. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but right after our encounter, I had a really fucking weird dream to where I had like a you know, blackout drinking or whatever. But I woke up one morning and it was around the same time. And it, it couldn't have been like three weeks after I talked to you. And I was faced like in this dream with uh, face to face with this entity. And I had Jules Schroeder on the show. Her episode comes out after yours. Um, But we talked about this because she was kind of the ending resolution to this entity, which is very strange. Also a lot of weird woo woo is going. And you were were on the unconventional life and you know her very well. She's got a very huge open channel of energy. But so I had this face to face with this, this entity that I don't know how to describe it other than like, I was in this, you know, space up, you know, up somewhere in space. And 
this face was in front of me, but I couldn't look away. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life, but I couldn't look away because everywhere I looked, it stayed there. I don't remember a body. I just remember a face. I do remember dreadlocks, which is really weird, um, but black eyes. So like kind of like a serpent tile style robe thing, but just dark black eyes, scarier than anything I've ever seen in my life. And there was no talking. There was just transfer of a message. And the message was, if you do not change, you're coming with me. And I just remember, I've never felt like that scared in my entire life. And what happened was, and, and I don't know, I've, I've tried to look into the science behind this, but I woke up um, and I was paralyzed. Like I couldn't move a, a part of my body for up to 10 minutes. I thought I was never going to walk again. You can imagine all these different things that were going through my head. And apparently there is a state of sleep that you can wake up in that happens very rarely to where you're not able to function. And, and like after a couple minutes of being awake, you start to get that tingly feeling um, in your body. Like if your foot falls asleep or something, and then you slowly you get, you get feeling back and that's what happened. But it took, it took like 10 minutes for me to be able to start wiggling my toes and my fingers. And I, because of that, I mean, obviously a weird experience. And then to have that entity kind of message thing, very weird experience. Um, again, all I thought about was that plane ride and I got flashbacks from that plane ride. And, and the message was still like, if you don't change, you're coming with me. And, um, I didn't change for a while, but I never forgot that it's six, seven years later is when I picked your dad's book back up again and started thinking about that and being like, where, I wonder what Jared's doing. And then wisdom meets passion comes out and I'm like, oh my God, like now this hits it at the perfect time. Now I can get an update on what Jared's doing. And it's weird that they're doing this book together. Uh, and by the way, we're giving a copy of when wisdom meets passion away. If you go to heatharmstrom.com forward slash giveaway, um, you'll get entered to win that. And Jared will send it out to the winner that we select. But um, I'm like, I get these flashbacks and I start realizing that every time throughout my life from that point on that I'm faced with this decision of intuition, I don't know which direction to go. Um, whenever something really important comes along, I started thinking about, I, I would get that entity, the plane ride, and it all starts flashing again in my head. And I, I followed that dude. I started the podcast by following that, that intuition vibe. I started in, interviewing all the people that I interviewed by following that. And then eventually I got to Jules. And with her, it was very weird because it was like, I got this overwhelming uh, feeling that you guys needed to be in connection with each other. Um, but I had forgot that I connected you. And then she invited me down to Nicaragua and I went down there and uh, she was telling me about you. And I was like, oh yeah, I introduced you to him. And she was like, oh yeah, you did, didn't you? That's really weird. And she also had an entity experience and it's very, the description is very much like what happened to me, except hers was after a wakeboarding incident where she collapsed and she doesn't remember anything other than these entities saying like, are you ready for something bigger? And then sending her back into the world in this hospital bed. And that's why she started doing all the things she's doing now. But we did a breathwork ceremony. I know this is a long winded story, but uh, it's almost over. I'm we captivated, did, brother. Keep going. We did a we did a breathwork ceremony down in Nicaragua because when I met her, she said, "You should come down here." And I got those flashbacks, and I kept thinking of Jared. I kept thinking of the plane flight. Why did I start the podcast? And it just was like I have to go down here, despite the fuckery that I was dealing with with my business in 2017. Um, I booked the 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 thing to go down to the unconventional life in Nicaragua, and um, I knew I needed to be down there, and I didn't know 
I, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what or when. And we did this group breath work, which was, it's called breath of one Gregorio. Um, the guy who leads it, it's just incredible. And dude, I know I've taken a lot of psychedelics in my life. I have never been on a level that I was when I did this breath work. And what was crazy about it was you have, we had 80 people and everyone's going in and out of this crazy ass synced breath work. People are screaming. People are throwing up. Some people are crying. Some people are laughing uncontrollably. Jules, I think was throwing up over the side. Um, and of course I'm not aware of any of this until afterwards and people tell you what they were doing because I'm in my own world. But I, in that breath work, like I had, I was surrounded by all these ancestors that were just dancing around me, even the two dogs that I lost last year. And we were just kind of dancing. And, um, I still felt confused though. But then that entity came back, man, that same fucking entity, except this time it had the brightest blue eyes ever. They weren't black anymore. And I remember being like, oh my God, like trying to look away again, but it was, no, it was right there in this time. There was still no talking, but there was a message again. And it was like, you're in the right place. And that's all it was. And then it went away and then it was just all of the ancestors and friends partying and we could see like earth down below. And it was just the craziest thing ever, man. And I just started crying um, because it all made sense to me that finally 10 years later, when that started and in, in following those seeds, it had actually finally grown into something. And it's just so weird, man, with the whole, like you were in Africa doing this stuff, the beads, the books and how it, I kind of feel like I've been sort of a hatchling of something that you may have done 10 years ago, but in my own unique form, um, mm. all because I had that one interaction on a plane with you. And there's no doubt about that. Like, had you never sat there, nothing would be the same. And it's just really weird to think about. And of course, I owe you a pretty big thanks for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. And and thank you for, for all of that. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that, I don't know if you need me to help you with storytelling, by the way. That was a pretty great story. <laughs> but uh, the, and you, you just described some, in the description of the entity scenario, and and some of the the things that came from that, um, you just described a very large dynamic of my life <laughs> that that really? I've dealt with most of my life. Yeah, um, and yeah, <laughs> we can maybe go a little deeper offline at some point. But uh, th there is a, and I don't know if you know this, man. Uh, you know, I have a I had a twelve year nasty uh, drug and alcohol run myself. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of blackout stuff and whatever, which tends to bring about kind of, you know, flashback stuff later on in life, like now. Uh, but they're, man, the seeing things that seem like otherworldly and having those visions and having those sleepless or not sleepless nights, but like the, um, the not knowing if I'm asleep or if I'm awake and not being able to move my body and, and, there's been all kinds, there's been some other really? uh, even heavier stuff that, that came into that um, where, yeah, where I was in a trance and, and, and shaking and whatever and, and, and laying on the bed and, and trying to come out of it. And I, and I had, it, it happened so prevalently since I was about eight years old, by the way. And I was in therapy and stuff for that back then. Um, but that, and it's these reoccurring ones that happened, you know, dreams that happened then. I'll just say dreams. Uh, who, who, I don't know if I was awake or not, or, or if it matters, but um, dreams, visions, whatever. And then stuff that, you know, then I, I had again, 
the, the one I'm thinking of right now was uh, and, and that, you know, and having this feeling at night, laying there and sweating and seeing this other entity in front of my face, staring me straight in the face and, and feeling this intensity with, with all this information to such an extent that it's like making my mind about to blow up. But again, no words. It was just transmission. Oh my God. Um, and, then, and and my wife would be la- listening here laughing at this what? because he, she knows all these stories. Um, well, but, we didn't have this conversation before just so everybody knows. No, I didn't know you did any of this stuff. Uh, but then to, you know, and, and the last, the one that I was thinking of specifically, I mean, at some point then when I kind of broke out of the trance, then I dropped about a foot onto the bed. <laughs> figure that one out <laughs> so there, there there was stuff i mean there's stuff like that that's happened now you know i mean you could make a case and say maybe that didn't happen and it was in my head at the time or whatever who cares really but at the but you, you know, know that's the, the end, same as jules she dropped back into her hospital bed perhaps you and jules and i should have a conversation because <laughs> i've never had a conversation this conversation where anyone else was involved or had had anything similar happen dude that's so interesting that you and i are uncovering this and it all came back together but she yeah she was just telling me like her sister was in the room she collapsed like she had a bad wakeboarding accident where she hit her head really hard and Uh as they were leaving like an hour later she just got lightheaded and her whole body started tingling and then she went out and then she had this experience and then she woke up as she dropped into a hospital bed and her sister was there, but apparently her sister was there the whole time with her when they rushed her to the hospital. And before she came back, she mumbled something about being enlightened and seeing the light. And as she was in that room with her, her as her sister was watching Jules, like she mumbled this and then like her levels, I guess the machines or whatever started going crazy. And so she ran and got the doctors and came back. And then eventually she dropped back into the room and woke up. And then that was her story. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> sounds familiar. Uh, well, wow. Um, that, yeah. It makes me want to connect with Jules again. <laughs> um, yeah. That, I mean, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, obviously that you're saying this too. I mean, having, we both have the knowledge, obviously, of our, you know, our previous meeting, our, our our original meeting. And then the entities scenario was something that I had not, uh, I had not understood before that you <laughs> you had had that. Uh, so that may be a whole, a whole other. But I didn't uh, have it until after I came in contact with you. So, yeah, that's, that's even weirder. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Yep. That takes up the weird factor, <laughs> uh, as if it wouldn't be weird enough already, but then, <laughs> then to know that there's some, some connections there. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing though, that I'd like to really, uh, I'll, I'll explore it and think yeah. about it and, and kind of meditate on it as well. See, when I tell a story like that to other people, or I'm not, I'm not going to say like classify people, but it's not as comfortable because you know, people are going to look at you and say, you're fucking crazy. Um, even with Jules, like she doesn't even tell that story all the time and she could, but it was an anchor for what she's doing and all these incredible things that she is accomplishing. And like, you know, Forbes coming after her and saying, we want you to start this podcast with us. And then all these different things that she's doing now, and she's doing these incredible events all over the world. Like, Mm -hmm. and none of it would have happened if she didn't have that experience. And for me, none of nothing would have happened 
um, if I didn't have that experience and remembered that because I always thought like, you know, I got to stop this. I got to stop doing this or I'm going with that thing and I don't want to go with that thing. And I, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. And, and then, but telling somebody and then you coming back and saying that that's a similar thing. Like now I feel like there needs to be a book about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the, the thing that with, with your entity, if you will, um, specifically, it, it, it sounds like the, you know, that, that happened. However, uh, at, be, with a purpose, like there was a purpose there that says you, you need to stop brother. Yeah. <laughs> you, this is time to check yourself. Um, that, I mean, that, that's another thing than just having an entity kind of scenario, but, but this one had, it had a purpose, um, in the interest of, of storytelling <laughs> and, and maybe relating here. Um, I was out in San Francisco. Uh, this is one of the, one of the times on the, on the end of me getting clean for like the 80th time. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is like at the end of the 12 year, uh, insanity. And I, I had been, uh, clean ish, but then I would have these really bad episodes, you know, that just kind of flared up again anyway. I, and I went with a friend of mine, um, who, who's a, a shaman and, and was kind of, uh, he's trained his whole life. He went to India when we were like, I don't know, I think he was like 19 or 20, um, and lived in the shaman tent on the beach for, for three years. And, and, that's how he started. So he took me on this camping trip in Big Sur. I lived in, we lived in San Francisco. And then he's like, look, Big we're going to go to Big Sur. I love Big yeah. Sur. Yeah. Uh, that was my, I think it was my first time at Big Sur. I, I've lived all over California, but I think it was my first time like camping there. And we had hiked in about uh, three miles or so into the woods. And we were, you know, good and nestled into nowhere. And um, it was really beautiful. And uh, of course, we had a big bag of mushrooms. Uh, and, well, what a great um, place. Yeah. <laughs> what a great place for thought. that. <laughs> um, so we were, we were tentless camping, you know, just on a you know, tarp on the ground and, and under the sky. And it was beautiful. And um, we, you know, we set in for a ceremony, you know, to, to really do it for that purpose. You know, yeah. I'm not a recreational shroom guy anymore anyway. I'm, I'm more of a... Uh, let's do it for, for purpose, for, yeah. for healing. Um, and so we went through this, uh, ceremony and I remember it quite vividly, which is not always the case, but I, I remember even prep and during and after and everything. And I had a vision and my vision, <laughs> you'll appreciate this. I went up on this, like, it's like a roller coaster, you know, like, you know, up, up the roller coaster, like you're going like the slow one, getting ready for the big downhill, you know, yeah, going up, 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 up. And I went up out of the earth into space into some other realm or whatever. And I'm on this thing. And I, I can sense that there are people ahead and behind me, though I can't really see them. It's just, was just me really. And I get up to the top and, and, and it's a really like a, a steep point at the top. Like you only get like two cars that actually make it. And then you start to go back down again. Um, or you derail, you get off, you, you, de, you deboard or whatever. And there was a conductor and the conductor, uh, well, the conductor of course was Tom Waits in, in, my, <laughs> in my vision, um, which is probably one of the most prevalent uh, people in my life at that time. Cause I'm, I'm such a Tom Waits fan and I had been living out in the sticks and just listening to Tom Waits all the time. So he showed up in my vision, God bless him. And, uh, and he was talking saying, Hey, I need to know 
I'm, I have tickets. And if you want to continue on this, you have to take this ticket. I was like, tickets to what? And he said, life, my friend. Do you want this ticket? Granted, I had overdosed a few times. I'd been in the hospital. I died once. And like all this other stuff had gone on. So this is relevant question. (laughs) Do I want a ticket to life? Uh, And I remember toiling with it uh, quite a bit. And I've always, I've never really had a fear of death. I don't look at death as the end. I look at it as a it's a transition into something right. else, just like I transitioned into where I am here um, and, and can sort of transition out <laughs> frequently. Uh, but but it, it, so there wasn't a fear of the death scenario. Uh, and, and in my case, I have had a hard time in many ways feeling like I fit in here, you know, in this earthly presence as a human. And I've right. often said I have a hard time being human, you know. Um, but then... Yeah, it was, it was a it was a really profound experience that I think about so so often. That was eight or nine, you know, ten years ago, something like that, and and it still sticks with me. Uh, do you want this ticket to life? And yeah, and, and I had a had a friend uh, a, a few years ago, or yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, Tisha Morris, who is a very famous feng shui master and, and astrologer, and so on. And she, she told me, Jared, you've got to learn how to be, fall in love with being human because you're fighting it. Because you feel very at home out there in the clouds and ethereal, supernatural land. But when it comes to being a human, you, you, it, it, uh, it's like it, it chafes, you know? <laughs> it just it rubs me the wrong <laughs> the way. Swamp ass. Uh, yeah, yeah, no one likes that. Uh, <laughs> So, and that's how life was feeling to me most of the time. But anyway, that, that, that was my, uh, kind of a similar, like, Hey, do you want in on this? Do you want to, you want to do this life? If so, you better stop doing what you're doing. And that was really the beginning of the end of all the substance. It was, uh, it was within about a year from there that I was done and I've been clean for 10 years now. That's incredible, man. Yeah, but it is the message again, like that you said. It, um, it's not just an entity experience. It's 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 a transition, like an opportunity, a, a kind of like a pull, pull your leg, guidance, intuition, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think I, I that was a transition. Yeah, I transitioned in that moment to some other state of being, and and consequently, I'm still here, which is probably wow. good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, what what do you think? I'm I'm thinking from the perspective of an somebody who's never experienced something like that. What does it take to spark an awakening to rise up or to enlighten uh, within somebody who has never experienced it or even thought about it? And I know that's a tough question, but I'm just curious as to if you have any direction because I know a lot of people um they don't understand because they've never been there. And for me like, you know, you showed up. It it I think for a lot of people, it's just one person shows up and, and it opens up a channel. Um, but with Jules, I talked about physical ways to open up your channel and to not hold gunk inside. But for somebody out there who, who maybe has never had this experience and isn't sure about it, what are there things that you could think of that you can do to try to maybe um, allow more of an awakening or to, to start that or to plant a seed on your own? You're certainly on the right track there. Yeah, that that. It's, it's the allowing. And, and I actually, I'll, I'll use a quote from a, a guy that I, uh, author and speaker that I, I follow, um, Kyle Gray. He's a um, Scottish guy from uh, Glasgow. And he, 
uh, let's see, what's the quote? He said, it's not, um, it's not the size of the miracle that matters. It's the amount of space that you make for it. Ah. And I think for me, that articulates uh, an important dynamic there because I, as you started asking me this, the first thing I started thinking of that led me to that quote was like, well, the first thing you got to do is, is to be aware enough, like to tune in, tap in enough to be aware of the, because those things are typically happening all the time. We, we're just, we tune it out. We're, we're so cluttered with other stuff um, that we don't really give it, we, we don't make the space to be able to experience the myriad miracles going on around us all the time. Uh, and the signs and the people that, that walk up. I mean, you could have just snubbed me on the plane and been like, piss off, dude, I'm listening to my earphones or whatever. <laughs> and I would have know. never known. And that would have been done and we wouldn't be sitting here and, you know, so there you, even if you weren't feeling like super jazzed about me sitting down beside you, you didn't cut me off. Right. So you did make some space. And here we are, <laughs> suffice it to say. Dude, and you, so, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there was a lady that sat on a plane to me, next to me, not that long ago, and it was quite the opposite experience. She also, I listened because it was very weirdly, um, she was sitting there and like wouldn't stop talking to me and telling me that she was on the plane for a reason to tell me something. And I was just like, uh. Okay. Now those are the ones that are often not signs. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I was just kidding. she was like, you don't understand. Uh, I was trying to try to think exactly what she said to me. It was insane. She told me that she was trying to convince me to vote for Donald Trump. And she told me that Sorry. we had to, we had to vote for Trump because if we didn't, the world was going to end. And I'm thinking like, Okay. Like I have to hear what your reasoning behind this is. So like I didn't, yeah, no, I would have been kept... interested in that one too. <laughs> and she told me that, um, we needed to elect him so that he can make abortions legal because if we don't, then Jesus is going to be aborted and the whole world is going to end. And that out of all of the people on the plane, I was a messenger and that she was there to tell me so that I could tell other people, which I'm telling you guys right now and everybody listening, all of you, I'm spreading her message. And I was just oh, like, goodness. what the, like, what are you? Cause I mean, like, do when I look at this? I'm, and I, this is something I was going to ask you anyways. It's like, what, I don't even want to go into that story, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on the position yeah. of, what are your thoughts on the position that this world is currently in? Um, you were talking about disconnect, like with the mass disconnect that we've achieved as humans from one another, um, you know, picking our asses and smelling our fingers without even really knowing it because we have our phones glued to our foreheads versus kind of the possibility of how it could be and how it has been before. Um, and the thought of that, maybe we are slowly starting to awaken. Maybe it's gotten to a point to where, as humans, we are starting to become more connected again, and we're fighting against that resistance that doesn't want us to become more connected and bring back this enlightened state or this great awakening in the midst of some really um, evil things that are going on the globe around, uh, you know, in the globe today. Yeah, I mean, well, let me, I guess, broadly, uh, in terms of my feelings about the state of humanity, if that's what you're getting at. I, I feel like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I realize that's a big one, but I, it's also one I often end up answering. So the, 
there are lots of ways to look at this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my view. <laughs> my personal take on this to this point is that if I look back throughout my life as, as an activist and I look at, uh, um, you know, what, what is it that, what are the things that I tried to draw attention to? You know, like gender equality. My whole life I've been on that one. Uh, and, and racial equality and economic equality, honestly. I mean, it's that the three of those at the end of the day are the big ones. And those are the ones that I've, I've tried all my life to get attention to those things. Um, so if you look at the, what's happened in our U.S. government and White House and whatever, and, and obviously Trump and blah, blah, blah. Let's, we know what that conversation sounds like. <laughs> so let's just then say, okay, well then what does this mean for the state of humanity? And I think, well, today, today, there is more conversation going on about, you know, uh, uh, there's the Me Too movement, for instance. There's the, uh, you know, and, the, and that needs to happen. You know, are, are, is there some crappy stuff that is going to come from that? Yep, that's the way it works, unfortunately. But uh, at the end of the day, does it need to happen? Absolutely. And then the so there's more talk about abuse of women and exploitation of women, uh, and there's more talk about uh, you know even the the discussion of women in power and and the uh you know there's the hillary clinton discussion and so on but there's a little bit more talk about the femininity the femi divine feminine power and and that energy uh there, there's more sure. talk about that now than than has ever been in my i've been studying that for 20 years man and now everybody's talking about it. i'm like oh my god this is amazing and there's more talk about uh you know racial equality than any time in my lifetime. What I'm getting at is that for me as an activist, man, this is an exciting time to be alive because in America, I do believe America is the most powerful country in the world, not because of economics and military and things like that. We're, that's arguable, but because of our influence, you know, and as a storyteller, brand architect, you know, you know I, I put a lot of value in that. Uh, so I, I think that there is a, this is a time when we can, we really have to make a choice on how we're going to view this. I could be very pissed off all day if I get on my Twitter feed and follow all my activist friends and all the, all that stuff. I'm looking at what's going on and I think, oh my God, it's Armageddon. I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, and it is in many ways. And what's going on in the White House is insane. It's, it's, it's outrageous, but we earned it. That's part of the collective consciousness of this nation. And we manifested that crap. And now it's going on, right? So we, we see that. But at the same time, I'm also of the belief, and this is a very, very tough one, and I'm not going to go too deep into this one, but I do believe that everything belongs from a spiritual uh, standpoint. You know, if, and if you believe in a creator and believe that that creator or that force, that energy, that love, that ineffable force out there, that's more the way I look at it, <laughs> created everything. Then if something is here, I have to <laughs> imagine that was also created by that same yeah. creation machine, you know? Um, so does it belong? I, I have to say yes. Uh, so how do we use it, you know? And, and, and does this crap in the White House belong? Unfortunately, it's needed right now to wake us up because we have been asleep. We've been asleep at the wheel for too long. And, and if, you know, and if Hillary or, or anyone, whatever, had, had been... Uh, elected, 
I feel like it would have been just a changing of the guard. It's not the same old regime. It's all good, you know, whatever. It's all good. It's all bad. It doesn't matter. It's just the same. And then, and we don't wake up. But when you, when you pull off the veil, all the ugly comes out and it just gets in your face every so absurd. I think that's when we start to say, oh God, we can't keep doing this. Now we have to change. Now it's gotten so bad we have to change. Now I'm in the front yard with my pants down and the car's running and I've got whiskey, you know, bottle in my ear and whatever. And, 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 you're, and you're like, okay, I've, okay, clearly it's time to stop. And even that, I mean, we, we've done, we've all fallen on our faces as a nation over and over and over. And we can, but, but so often people aren't even really aware of half of that stuff. Now we're aware of everything. Every second it comes out through some stupid tweet. And, and so we see it. So I feel like if we, you know, as, as people that want to be, you know, change makers and contributing to a more harmonious world and so on, I think we have to take the stance of saying, this is an amazing time to be alive. We have the opportunity now to create the most important dynamic of revolution in revolution. And that is momentum. Right now, we have an opportunity to create momentum like never before. In my whole life, I've been saying, guys, we got to create momentum. We got to create momentum. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> Wake up, get on the train and, and be part of that. I mean, that's our opportunity at this point. It's so that's my, that's my view, I guess, of, of I, the state. I've humanity. listened to you talk quite a few times about interconnectedness of humankind, um, whether people believe it or not. And there's just no doubt to me when I hear stories about this entity with you and how we met and then Jules and how it all comes back around that like yeah. this stuff does play a part. Um, there's nobody that can tell me or convince me otherwise. And everybody has the right to believe what they want. Um, but like, if you look, it, it is funny how everything now even at, like look at the fifties and sixties and how television used to be right. You dad would come home and the mom would be like, you're going to get it when dad comes home. And then he pulls his belt out and starts beating ass and they slap, you know, women are getting slapped in the face by men and like, nobody thinks anything of it, but you're right. Yeah. Like now, if anything like that happened, like that show would get taken off air and that's good for us. Like that's a good mm -hmm. thing that people are more aware and, and speaking out against things like that. And, um, Saudi Arabia, they finally started letting women drive, but like, look at how, how crazy is it that, that it took that long, you know, but it's happening, all of it's happening. And so the momentum is all around the world right now. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing. I wanted to ask you, I guess this is a good transition, man, because I want to talk to you a little bit about storytelling for the people that are interested in, in using it, um, for sort of a higher purpose or maybe to, work towards more meaning in life or to expand something that they're working on um, and get it out into the world better or just using it as a personal um, development tool. But I also have this weird thing where I'm like, okay, how do I, there, there's this, this gap. I don't know if this can make sense or not, but for me, there's this gap between what is intuition and what is resistance. Um, and how do I, how do I tell between if it's my intuition and it's leading me towards something powerful or towards my higher self or my higher purpose, or if it's simply something that's pulling me because I'm resisting something else that's more important. And I feel like with all of that and everything that we do in life, it is a story. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is there a way to use storytelling as kind of a combination power with intuition 
and to use it to help guide yourself towards your higher self as opposed to um, being shut down by resistance and kind of folding back to being, you know, that person that doesn't have any momentum. And is, is that too tough of a question? <laughs> I'll take any question you throw at me, bro. <laughs> um, I, well, I don't know whether or not I'll answer it the way that you're <laughs> wanting. I don't know, but um, I think there's a couple of different ways, you know, there's different angles to approach storytelling as a thing. Right. And, and one of those things, which I, I, I think is where you're, you're at on this correct me if I'm wrong, but um, there's, there's telling your own story, right. And, And saying, okay, how do I craft my own story and do and create that story in a way that is also going to help draw me closer to my highest self. Is that, yes. Which in return kind of brings you into the momentum of the greater awakening of the world. Yes. So with, with that kind of storytelling, um, there is a, Man, it's, it's not any different really than when I'm creating a brand for someone and we start talking about it and they, and they start telling me about all how they're going to do this and what they're going to do and whatever. And I'm saying, yeah, I don't care about that. Let's talk about why you're doing it. You know, the Simon Sinek kind of start with why I love that concept and he's done a great job with that. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of his, but he, so in looking at that, you know, your why that that's a, in that's an important dynamic. Like that, that's where it starts, I think. But then we have to say, okay, well, what does all of that mean? Like, how do, how do I unpack that? My why? If I just talk to the average Joe and say, hey, tell me your why, they're gonna be like, you didn't say that sentence right. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Tell me my why? What does that mean? Um, and, 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 and that happens from time to time. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this gives me an opportunity to look at this from a different angle. <laughs> um, there is a you know, to, to say, how do I, how do I figure out my why? Okay. It starts with emotions. Really. We have to look at this and say, what am I emotionally driven by? Like what gets me up at night and, and makes me think, or what keeps me up at night and freaks me out? Or what, you know, what are the things that, that scare me? Why do they scare me? What am I, what do I fear? You know, why, why do I fear that? Uh, and, and, you know, that's a, I think that's typically a good place to start is what do I fear? What are the things that I, that I'm uh, not wanting to manifest or come into fruition? And then from that start to say, okay, well, what's kind of on the other opposite, what's the opposite spectrum of that? It's a lot easier to know what you want when you're very clear about what you don't want in your life. So I, I then look at that and say, okay, well, what are the emotions that you want to feel? Like that, that you want to feel, obviously you want to feel joy and happiness and things like that. But there's, uh, for instance, if you were, if you were to go and have an experience like what you did in, in Costa Rica, what is it that you want, you know, what is it that you wanted to feel going into that? Do you want to feel again? Sure. There's the basics, happiness and so on, but perhaps transcendence is something you wanted to experience. Perhaps, um, that some uh, releasing of a fear or, or even facing and an, an uncovering a new fear can be very helpful too, because then you know, right? No one's half the battle, right? So there's, there's the, I, I think it's looking at that, what, what do I fear? What motivates me? How do I want to feel? What is my, what's the fear? What motivates me? How do I feel? And you kind of dance with that uh, to get to a point where you say, okay, 
here's now, now I'm starting to get some elements together in my life. You start to kind of brew this potion here. Uh, and when you, I, I think to, to create a story out of that, you have to like, for me, when I'm doing that for myself, I think about, okay, for instance, when I went to Rwanda, I actually just had this conversation the other day with somebody. Um, when I went to Rwanda, I had, you know, I was, I was still drinking by the way, at the time. Um, for a year that I was there. And then I, I quit the second year in, I guess. So I wasn't, I, I guess I wasn't drinking when I met you. Were you doing um, like the heavy drinking or like the, you know, four or five beers a night, but not like blackout? I only have one gear, bro. <laughs> uh, if I drink, I will drink everything that's <laughs> available within a 10 mile radius yeah. <laughs> um, until I black out. And, and even then I'll keep trying if I can. <laughs> um, so that's what I was doing. But, um, anyway, when I, I, I went there, I had, I, I went there, you know, got into Rwanda life and, 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 you know, and I had fun and I partied and it was crazy and I had a great time and uh, a few close calls with the drinking, but I made it. And anyway, then I came back to the States, uh, or came back to Nashville. At one point I was doing the tour, you're talking at universities and whatever, you know, I come home, the boys are like, Hey, you know, J dog's back in town, you know, <laughs> so J dog yeah, is back in town, motherfuckers. <laughs> and it's Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so things got rowdy, the rockabilly boys and down at the rockabilly bars and all that. And, you know, and I had a blackout for like three days, uh, three day yeah, blackout. Yeah. That's um, professional. Yeah, it was, it, I was, I was earning, earning my wings, but, um, I, after that, that, that was it. I, it was, it was that episode. I woke up with alcohol poisoning. I missed an appointment for a donor <laughs> discussion for our project. And I, I, I oh my God, I, I, I'm wasting it all away. I can't do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what? I've got another month here in Rwanda or in, in Nashville. And when I go back to Rwanda, I'm going to be a completely different person. I'm going to just, I'm going to check my bags here in Nashville and I'm going to show up in Rwanda as this higher self person. So when I, was, I had sort of a geographical, physical kind of element of my storytelling that was about to shift. So I, I got there and I, and I'd also like, I'd finished up some other projects and I was kind of creating a clean sit, slate at that point. So I started saying, here's the story I'm going to tell, man. I, I remember sitting down with my housemate. who's just another dude from, you know, South, uh, South Carolina. Uh, he's still there actually in, in Rwanda. And I told Sam, I was like, look, dude, I can't be that guy anymore. I can't, I can't keep driving myself in the ground. I can't keep doing this. I was like, I'm going to make some changes and it's going to look different. And I'm going to talk different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to present myself differently. I'm going to show up looking differently in places and whatever. And I just started doing it. And I started just putting up together all the components of who I wanted to be. And when I told my story to people, I started infusing that into the story as if it were real. And it was total bullshit. But at the time, I needed that to pull me into that person. But it works, to help me man. be that person. Absolutely. You know, you know, it's like, the whole oh, act as if scenario. I can't. When I looked at affirmations originally, I'm like, this is woo-woo. This is ridiculous to say that I can do this thing. And then, yeah. But when you actually do it in the first time that it actually manifests, you're like, holy fuck. And I can't ex explain. I mean, the whole premise of the sweet-ass journal and the affirmations and the sweet-ass domination deck is to open up that channel for people to understand that you can tell yourself things that aren't true and they will become true. As long as, I guess the simplest form to explain it is, 
it rewires your brain. You kind of trick your brain to think that they're already real. And then you're automatically start making decisions that are in alignment with that vision. Right. So by you yeah, saying, yeah. I am not drinking or I'm changing, I'm this new person, like without thinking about it, you're going to start making those decisions. Like, Oh, I'm not having a beer. Cause I'm this new person as opposed to, you know, getting out the funnel and butt chugging a liter of Jägermeister or something. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's incredibly powerful because I actually have a, f- a friend, Holly, and we do these calls on the 22nd of every month, which is today. We've had 22s follow us around our whole lives. I met her down in Nicaragua as well. We had a lot of really weird incidents where we were like, weird, like what? And then like she followed me on Instagram and it was like my 222nd follower. And I did her and it was like her 222nd. And it was just like, oh, wow. dude, it was fucking weird. But um, we do calls it's on a the good 22nd. Numbers, by the way. Yeah, we, we do calls on the 22nd of every month where we just have a conversation in the future tense where she tells me what she's doing, but it's her vision and she's actually saying it in the present tense. And I'm saying it in the present tense of what my vision oh, that's is. Powerful. And it is man. And like, it's just, it's just back on topic with what you were talking about. Like I, it blows my mind how, I guess how shunned off affirmations and things like that can become in this whole flooded down self-help world, but they really are powerful when you can become a people feel that that. it's inauthentic. Right. Right. But yeah, then you need to get into another discussion maybe about what authenticity is. I I had that discussion yesterday or the other day with Dove Baron that I was telling you about, um, about authenticity. Uh, and I was, I was on the art of authenticity podcast with Laura Coe, who's also become a good friend of mine. And she talked to me about that. And, And so anyway, authenticity has come up a lot. And, uh, and, and I had, I had talked to her about the fact that authenticity to me has a lot to do with being patient because if I, if I tap the brakes in the moment, I can align with my highest self. I can respond intentionally rather than react emotionally, uh, and so on. And, and, and that's more of, uh, what being authentic is to me. But then when you talk about the, uh, the mantras and, and how, just for the sake of this conversation, how, how that could be seen as inauthentic, I think, well, Actually, if, if that authenticity is about calling me to my highest self, seems like mantras are right in line with that. <laughs> like saying, this is who I'm going to be. And that calls me to my highest self, which is more of authentically who I am. Um, right. So I, I think when you frame it that way, it's, then it's not so, you know, on the opposite side of authenticity with the mantras. Anyway, the, the, I think people just have a hard time with that in general because we're programmed to just talk about what is or what we see or what we saw. And I have a, one of my closest friends on the planet that um, I just talked to today, was struggling with some stuff. Um, and, and I said, I was like, look, you've got to cut off this stuff that constantly drags you in and drags you down and into this other person that, that you don't want to be. Um, and, and really that, uh, you, you've got to make that clean cut and, and go and, uh, start to come away from that because it's not your authentic self. And I, I was like, what if you just took a month and, and dedicated yourself to not talking about anything in the past <laughs> And not even in doing your best to, to not even talk about anything about what it's going to be in the future, but to just focus on this moment right now, this breath, this, you know, the, the, whoever you're sitting in front of, like just that connection and that beauty, uh, man, I, I think living that's in so flow. often, like, huh? Living in flow. 
Right. I mean, ultimately, I think that's what you end up with. Yeah. But I think so often our conversations have to do with what happened or what are you about to do? And obviously we know, you know, the power of now and live in the moment and all that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes we forget to say, and yeah, that means stop talking about the damn past, man. Stop talking about what got you here. It, it, I mean, it, and it's, I mean, obviously with storytelling, we're going to talk about some history and stuff, but when it comes to this daily practice and some of the social activities that we get into, I mean, the first thing we do is we start bitching about whatever happened that day or the person that pissed you off in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, what if we just eliminated that stuff and we made ourselves only talk about something great right now? And I'm doing a lot of that, dude. I, and I, I've, I've been studying about boundaries and stuff like that and, and creating boundaries around me with, with uh, some old relationships and things like that where I just felt like, man, that, those take me to a different place. I don't want to be that guy. I want to tell a different story with my life. So how do you take, um, how do you take storytelling and how do you optimize that with storytelling though, without being able to go into the past? Um, well, I think it's two different conversations. One, one is, Hey, I want to create a story about who I'm going to be. And, and you can, and, and, and say, you know, pull in all those elements of what you would do to your, your higher, your, your higher self, um, and create that story around your highest self and say, okay, that's the story. That's me. And, And I think that would be very healthy just to say, let's create that story, that future story and say, okay, now it's present. I don't care what you actually see here. This is it. This is present. Like what you, you do on your call on the 22nd and to focus on that and never mind anything that got you to here. Never mind the, the, the stuff that happened there. Now, when you're, when you're telling a story to that, that, that's more, this is more of a spiritual development discussion, I think on that element of the yeah. storytelling. Now, when I, you come out in a professional setting or your vocational setting or whatever, and you need to tell the background of your story as well, I feel like at the same time, to some degree, you can, like, I can tell you, well, you, like in Wisdom Meets Passion, my, my dad tells his story two ways in the beginning, which I thought was really cool. And, you know, with the first way, it was about how he was, you know, he didn't have this and didn't have that. And he was on the old school Mennonite farm and you know, oppressed and couldn't listen to music and couldn't listen to that. All the negative. Yeah. All the negative stuff. And then he turns it around and he's like, oh, I grew up out in nature, you know, and I grew up knowing how to, you know, raise animals and, and farm and blah, yeah, blah, blah. It was blah. so cool. It was so cool. Yeah. So it's like, we can tell the, the same, you know, the, a story about the same human in very different ways. Uh, and, and I think when we force ourselves to tell that second story about the, the positive dynamics and to, to delib- deliberately leave out the negative, the nasty, um, to, to leave that out and say, well, what, how does it feel when you tell that story? I mean, think about it. it it's like, it's like when you're in a, an argument situation and someone says something to you and you just, and you hold and you don't come back and say, Oh yeah. Cause I'm good <laughs> at arguing. <laughs> um, and, and, and when I don't come back and, and do that, um, think about the way that you feel like I do that sometimes. And e- even with, you know, my wife and I, obviously my wife is always going to take, <laughs> she's going <laughs> to see the crappiest side of me, you know, that comes out. Um, and, and I, there's been times where, yeah, I'm like, why did I do that? That's my wife. Why did I just like railroad her just because I could? And then, you know, and I apologize and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But then, you know, and that feels a little better to apologize but what feels amazing is when I didn't say anything at all. 
when I just left it out. And she felt heard and she felt that I got what she said, even though I didn't really even say anything other than <laughs> I hear you. And that was it. And, and it was so beautiful. And I felt so empowered by keeping my mouth shut, which is not normal for me. Um, <laughs> but I felt, I felt so, <laughs> it is, it is. But I felt like, you know what? I left some of the, neg- I left that negative stuff out. And all that was left was like the positive energy in the air. And it was wonderful. Um, and so I'm doing that more and more and, and just uh, not take the bait of just talking about the, the crap that gets me down. I think that's an incredible uh, point, man, with the storytelling. And I, I can now look and say for future plans, like I'm going to tell every single story from the negative side and then go back and retell it. I mean, I can see this as a writing tool, but for the people that we talked about earlier who have never had a spark, have never been enlightened, this one little exercise, I mean, to write all of this out in the most negative way possible and then rewrite it in a positive way, um, that can be the reframe that you need to open up a channel that will allow that spark to happen. And that was that was an incredible kind of transition to that because I didn't know where the answer was going to come from uh, later in the show. And I think that's really, really awesome. So I'm going to make sure to put that inside the article that's attached to this this show that we put out. Excellent. Um, I've got a couple sort of shorter answer questions that I want to ask you in particular. I actually wrote these beforehand. Well, somewhat um, specifically thinking about you. And I'm just curious because I have a lot of questions that I ask myself. Sometimes I don't know the answer and there's not always somebody around that um, is in an area that could answer the question to the level that I would need them to, for me to understand and I feel like you're one of those people that totally can. The first one is is kind of deep, but, and this is just a powerful question in general, but when when was the last time you cried tears of joy? Uh, yesterday. Yeah. How often do you do it? A couple times a week. <laughs> and do you think that... I recognize that's not normal, but I, I mean, I'm being honest. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, look, it happens to me all the time. Not even like sometimes it's not joy. Sometimes it's the other way around. But as part of my awakening has been to be really in touch with my emotional side and to let this stuff Mm. happen. Because when we're we're talking about opening this channel, like if we want to become a higher self, we have to get the gunk out. One of the ways to do that is to just witness what's happening and let it come out so that you can open up that channel for the good stuff to come back in. Um, And I think in our world, just people are embarrassed by this, by crying um, mm-hmm. tears of joy. Like even like, even my fiance, Lindsay, she's like way less emotional than me. And she's like, what are you fucking crying? And I'm like, I'm trying to work to get her to cry more. Cause she never does. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I want to see, I see all the stress that builds up with her job and things. And I'm like, if you would just cry more, it would be a lot easier. Or like, um, it would maybe just open up so much more, uh, space as you said earlier, like with mm-hmm. perception and love and understanding of everything that we're doing. So I just, yeah. It clears some channels and opens those up, I think. Yeah. And And, and what I've, yeah. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. I I think I was just going to say without that, it it, channels are closed, you know? (laughs) So so it's hard to get in there. Yeah. What I've, what I'm finding is that most of these people that I'm connecting with that are sort of living on a happier plane, um, do kind of feel in alignment with their higher self. They cry a lot. When I think when you're intensely connected to 
I mean, I, I would say to source, you know, to yeah. creator, uh, when you're intent in, in, in which implies that I'm, you know, I'll just speak for myself. Then. So if, if I'm intensely, can I feel very intensely connected to my creator? I'll just say that. <laughs> and I feel like that, like I'm in the flow, which means I feel like I can trust my intuition, which means I feel like I can connect with other people emotionally, which means that I can also, the, the, I mean, the, you, when you asked me about crying or whatever yesterday, or when I said yesterday, it was, it was just during my, I, I say a little like uh, gratitude, uh, it's kind of a Lakota ceremony with my daughter every night as prayers. And we, we do a Lakota based prayer uh, and she, some of it's in Lakota and she speaks it as well. And we thank Wakantanka, the great creator, you know, the, or the, the, the great mystery. Um, for these, uh, you know, just the basic things of life, uh, a bed, shoes, you know, things like this. So, so my daughter at almost six years old now is, is thinking about those things and she, Incredible. and, and we, we think, you know, sometimes the, the prayer will go on for like 10, 15 minutes. And in most of the times it's more, you know, two or three minutes, but we, we talk about it every single night. I've done this with my daughter every night. And, um, even when I'm out of town, I call it in <laughs> and, uh, I got done the other night and I don't know, I, we all had the flu and maybe that has something to do with it. But I, I had said, you know, thank you for, for giving us a home and a, and a comfy bed with the poofy little pillow and, and, and big blankets to keep us warm. You know, it was freezing outside and we all had the cold. So you really think about that stuff. But she just said at the end, I got finished and she said, daddy, I, you know, she said the part I'm most thankful for right now is, just that we have a home and a comfy bed so that I can feel good when I'm sick and that I have a mommy and daddy to take care of me. And I, you know, I had tears coming down my face. I was like, she's so cute too. So much. Thank you. Um, but she thinks about those things, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily what she said that, that, that moved me. It was really the fact that she thought to say it yeah. and to say something, not like my, uh, whatever toy it was or whatever, but, but just the basics, like a home and a bed. And, and, I, and I think part of it for me as a father was like, that's what I want her to be. That's the level of gratitude I want her to walk around with. Yeah. So anyway, it just, it, it moved me. I don't, I'm sorry, I felt like sharing that story. <laughs> Man, this uh, is about storytelling. It's an incredible story. I love it. So yeah, it's just the little things like that, that, you know, and I, I, I have a very open channel for that kind of uh, emotion. And I, and I really welcome it because when I feel it, I think, wow, amazing. And I'll have times, I met a dude randomly at some other mastermind group that I went to speak at the other day. I have his book sitting behind me as well. And and we had this amazing moment. I didn't know the guy at all. Some dude from New York. And, and, and two minutes later, I'm in a full out man embrace with this guy. And he's <laughs> crying on my shoulder. <laughs> and then he puts me back and looks at me. And he's like, I'm 70 years old. Thank you for seeing me. You might be the first. Wow. Yeah. And, I, and I cried my eyes out. I was like, that was beautiful, man. And I welcome those kind of experiences. I want every day to have, be packed full of stuff like that. And that makes a great story in the yeah. end as well. Wow. I can see it from his perspective too. Like that, that is powerful, man. That's powerful. It was because we connected, because I looked into his eyes the whole time. I t and I'm big on that. It's the eye contact. And I looked into his eyes and, I, and we had this 
deep moment. I didn't have any agenda. He didn't either. We just connected. And I think when, when human souls connect like that, when you throw off all the pretense and all the other shit and, and you just say, look, I'm just going to be here. I don't care what happens. I'm just going to be, I'm going to connect with this guy that I didn't even know. And, um, and when you open yourself up like that, I think some really beautiful stuff can go down. Yeah. I had a lot of fun doing that kind of authentic relating in, in Nicaragua with uh, Jules and her whole crew. Mm. It was a lot of, I, there was a lot of eye contact, comp- like where you basically would stand for five minutes staring somebody, you know, a complete stranger in the eyes, not talking. Um, I did that exercise in Costa Rica. I wrote about it actually. Yeah. Really? It's, it's, yeah. Oh, man, it's like so powerful and, and doing almost the same thing, but talking to telling the other person what thoughts are coming into your head mm-hmm. um, and being authentic about it. It was just like, you can, you can see that discomfort and the, um, the stress or whatever it can be that's there in the beginning be pushed out, you know, and then it becomes love and it becomes openness and it's just, it's insanely powerful. So mm-hmm. a lot of crying during that too. I found myself hugging lots of men and crying and mm-hmm. never felt better in my life. <laughs> Maybe so. how great that feels. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> um, what, what, what kind of resistance gremlins do you battle most often and sort of how do you take that form of resistance and turn it into more of a gremlin wedgie fest as opposed to being resisted. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I still deal with the, you know, I'm, I'm I, just like most people I, I do. I have my struggles with, um, with self-worth and things like that. Now it's different because I am very confident. So the, the thing is, is like when it comes to my trade, like brand, brand architect, and, and being able to, to walk in and talk to a fortune 500 about how to fix their brand and how I do it better. Yeah. I, I feel fine. I have no intimidation <laughs> at all. Like I know my stuff. <laughs> um, I, I can do that. They, they're, they're asking me to come talk to them, you know, because I've got the reputation and I've got the confidence that I can do. But when it comes to like sharing my podcast, that's like deeply intimate and, and about my philosophy <laughs> and about love and about all this stuff. That's when I get like, Oh, are they going to like it? You know, <laughs> um, or who am I to say, you know, that I'm a philosopher or something like that. And I'm like, whatever, Jared, you're a philosopher, you know it. Um, so I, I do have to kind of coach myself back into that. Uh, and I think that the, my, my biggest my biggest resistance gremlin, I think probably is the one that says, um, they're, you know, it, it's kind of like, oh, they're all going to laugh at you. You know, <laughs> they're not, why would they take you seriously? Why would they, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, and, and it, it, it is when it comes to the most important things in my life, like my podcast or something or a blog or something that I've written that's, that's really part of my heart. Um, that's when I, you know, I, I have to face that. And then I have a lot of systems in place for facing that all the time uh, where I, I feel like it's the, you know, it, it's that, that one and the kind of the, the ADD distracted all over the place kind of, so it's, those are the two that, that constantly, cause that one kind of ends up in, in, in procrastination. It's not like deliberate procrastination, but it's the same result. <laughs> like you don't get it done. Um, uh, just because of this, uh, lack of belief in things or whatever. And, and, and then you just keep putting it off and keep putting it off yeah. and you don't ship, you don't sell, you don't get it out the door. Oh, I can relate but, to that. Well, then those are the ones that I have to deal with the most. And, 
Uh, honestly, on that one, I have Seth Godin in my head saying, ship it, ship it, <laughs> ship it. And, and, and I just say, you know what? All right, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to get it out the door. That is uh, so hard. That, that's the, yeah, it is. But I, I like to create live too. Like I have a thought and the next day I've got a website up, you know, and, you know, and that freaks people out. Something like, oh my God, you know, my mom or my wife or something. And, uh, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to get real feedback and I can take the feedback. I can take the hits if, yeah. if it's productive. You know, if, if I need to hear it, then I'll take it uh, and, I'll, and I'll change it. So I don't know. I mean, there are systems in place for that. Uh, or I have systems that I put in place for that in my life. But I, I mean, those are real animals that I deal with. Real gremlins, if you will. I love the fact that you used a gremlin for that, by the way. <laughs> Dude, it's so real. I mean, it's, it's a living force that works against you. Um, there for everything, everything that you work for, there's something working against you. And I just think people don't understand unless you personify it. And what better way to personify it than, than attaching gremlin to the back of it? Because, you know, gremlins are gremlins. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what allows the impossible to become possible for you? Hmm. Well, I would go back to the statement we had said earlier where it, it's directly related to the space I make for the miracles around me. Um, I think when I get into a situation where I feel like it's impossible or going in that direction or feeling so heavy that I cannot uh, think, you know, it's like, I can't even think my way out of this one. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, I, it's, it's going to sound fairly typical, I guess, but I, I, I have to find my breath yeah. get still. <laughs> and I have this mantra that I created for myself. It was, it was when I was in Costa Rica, actually. And it may have been right after one of the retreats that I went to, like the one that you went to in Rick Rowe. But, but it's uh, in this stillness, I am. And I mean, the I am capital I am. Uh, and I feel like I am me. I am connected to source. I am that when I can when I can find stillness, when I can create stillness within myself. Um, and then to say in that stillness to say, you know, let, let, let me be open and aware and receptive to the miracles that are happening. Cause I, and that's when I have to start. And this is almost, you know, kind of positive mantra style as well, but I I'm sitting there saying, I recognize that everything that I am searching for is right here in front of me. It's right beside me. And I'll, I'll do that kind of in my mind where, where I'm meditating. My meditation mat is sitting right in front of my desk, right? And the uh, yoga mat next to it. <laughs> um, and so I, I'll get down there and, and meditate and just go to this space where I, I'm literally like out in another room like fishing around kind of in the dark for the thing that I'm looking for. Even if that thing is like an answer I have to write down or something, it's not like a physical thing. But I, I mean, I, I literally, when I get to an impossible situation, I will stop and do that. It doesn't matter if we were out trying to cross a border in Panama, did that. And, and I had to just kind of get in my meditative state, um, carrying two newborn babies, trying to get V set up and, you know, and all that jazz. And it was 150 degrees or whatever it was. Oh. Um, and, you know, or, or, or whatever it is, I have to just stop, find my breath, get still and make room for miracles. 
never said it that way, but I think I'll write that down now. <laughs> it's very clear. And I, today I was one of those days for me where I was just like, uh, like I have a lot of projects going on right now too. And I, it's on the verge of how do you ship? I want to transition my business from resale to launching my own products that help people, um, that kind of help shift their awareness back to what they should be working towards in a matter of 10 seconds or less, just these ordinary household mm-hmm. items that people aren't even aware they have. I want to turn those things into messages to get them back in alignment with their visions and their dreams. So I see that as a big project, but then I have this podcast that I'm doing and launching and I have my new book that I'm trying to get out there, which is called sweet ass book to be (laughs) (laughs) sweet ass book to beast up your motivation muscles, which are basically, you know, motivational notes like you saw in the, um, in the emails that I send out if people are on my motivational email list. And before this call, yeah, like I'm thinking like, okay, I'm cool. Like if I can just get to this, this talk with Jared, it's going to be awesome because I know exactly how easy I can flow into it. But what do I do in between the time of, you know, this morning and this night? And it was just like, all I could do is just sit there and, and meditate and breathe and just think, um, hmm. and let myself feel out what actually feels right. And I think sometimes when we feel like we have all these projects where I got to go right and I got to work on this and that, and I have to figure out this manufacturing problem. I think sometimes it really is that you just need to make space and rest and, and just let yourself flow into that next situation that feels really good, which for me was this call today. And now I I'm back on track with my awareness, you know, and my enlightenment. Mm. So it's all good. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So, okay. I do a lot of weird shit, man. And I know we're running late on time here, so I'll make sure that this doesn't go that much longer, but um, I, I specifically I do a lot of things that just to try to make my mind stronger. Um, When I went to Nicaragua, I had an intention and you talked about this earlier. Like if you have an intention going into something, the experience can be um, very transformative or life changing. And before I did the breath work, like my intention going down, there was one figure out what the hell this entity flash thing was calling me down to jewels for, which happened. But during the breath work, I was like, you know what? I felt like I had been, um, I had been careless with financially, but at a decision of, um, I wasn't blackout drinking the last year, but I was drinking. Like I was doing, you know, four or five beers here. I didn't have like in my past, I had one gear like you were talking about, but during that breathwork meditation, I had, I confronted my issues. I was like, I don't, you know, I want to get rid of this craving to have a beer Mm. shot or a glass of wine with every single meal. I want to get, I want to get rid of that, that thought. Cause it's a distraction to me. Um, and what happened was I actually, I actually got rid of, like I faced when I had that thing with the entity, there were a couple other weird things that happened that I felt like go. And like, after that, I was like, I have no desire to drink period. Like the craving is completely mm-hmm. gone. And now I'm on day 66 of no alcohol period. Um, and one of the Excellent. weird, yeah, it, it's very cool. But another thing that happened during that was like my entire life, I've never been able to eat um, spicy food. And I have traditionally grew up eating a lot of meat, but I have of recent like four or five years, I've always struggled with the fact that eating meat and living creatures and I don't agree with it mentally. And, but mm. it's so surrounding me that it's been something that I've been in and out of, um, but I just completely let that craving go now too, where I'm like, I have no, just absolutely no draw to want to eat it. Um, 
especially because it's not like a survival situation where I'd have to or anything like that. But I all of a sudden am addicted to spicy foods, dude. I could never eat spicy foods before. Now I'm like fucking like, give me that level 10. And I don't know what it is. It's the weirdest shit ever. Like I rewired something in my body and I used to get mad acid reflux to where I would throw up if I had a mild spice. And now I'm killing like the, the heaviest spice stuff ever all because of a breathwork meditation. Um, and I'm not drinking and I'm staying away from eating. It's just blowing my mind how those things can happen. But the whole reason I started saying that stuff, which was a rant, I said I wasn't going to make it long, was because I have these charts in my walls where I literally sign in every single morning. I initial in to all of the habits that I want to accomplish over a 100-day period. And I have five or six of them up at a time. Um, and one of those is the no drinking thing. And I'm on day 66 of 100 because I can track it 1% at a time. Um, and that's a weird thing that I do to test my mind. I'll put things on that just to see if I can do it just, just to make my mind stronger. Like what is something that I really feel like I can't live without? Let's give it up for 100 days or let's change this way that I go about it for 100 days. And it's weird. And I was just wondering from a habits and an optimi- a personal optimization side, like, are there any weird things that you do that most people probably don't do um, that kind of keep you challenging your mind from a, you know, a strength? I know meditation is, a, is, a, is an easy scapegoat, but is there anything else that's like, uh, I guess the chanting thing could be really weird if you get really intense with it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, is the direct answer to that. There's quite a few things, but I mean, like one of the things I started, do, I was just kind of counting back. I think it's been five, five, six months now, five months. Um, I, I started doing the, the intermittent fasting thing, like where you, you just do like a, and, and calling it intermittent at this point is a bit, it's, I've been doing it for five months every day. So it's, uh, it's just a routine now where I don't eat from, uh, usually around eight or eight or so at night until after noon the next day. I say after, because a lot of times I, I get hungry, like coming up to noon. And at that point I'm into doing stuff when it's like two o'clock before I eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what that does is it gives me a period throughout the day to sort of, uh, roll with hunger, to feel hunger, um, to, to feel that little pain in my stomach to, and, and to, um, I don't know, like to, to be very aware of my body, to be very aware. And I, and I think even yeah, interesting. When, you, when you're really aware of your core, I think that has some psychological, uh, some powerful psychological implications as well. Um, I mean, I started doing it really just to kind of uh, I was, I was, uh, going, I was doing a cleanse and, and I thought, well, this will like, I, I, when I do a cleanse, I like to do like a proper cleanse. Like I'll go heavy cleanse, you know? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I felt, I enjoyed it is I guess what I should suffice it to say. And I've kept doing it because now it's not just a physical kind of thing that, you know, tightens the bod up a bit or whatever. Now it's a, um, it's part of my, my life, you know, it's part of who I am. And, and it, and it's that, and I, and I mean, it is that kind of toiling with hunger a bit and, and, and feeling that. And, and I mean, I, I'd, I'd much rather feel hunger than stuffed, trust me. But I like that kind of, I don't know. It's like, I feel my body uh, yeah, more intense like speaking to you. Like you, 
Yeah, I get like it. I'm connected to it. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like what, like uh, the, all the, the opposite side of that is when I am, you know, the, the Thanksgiving day stuffed feeling, you know, right? and, and just feeling like I hate myself. <laughs> Why did I do that? Um, you know, and I don't even eat meat, so, <laughs> but, but even still, like I, I, I still feel that heavy Logie feeling, you know? And so I have some practices like that. One is the the fasting that I do every day. Um, and, and I haven't broken that one day in, in five months until yesterday, actually. We, we've, been, we've had the flu in it. So I've been oh, eating yeah. orange, oranges and stuff to try to kind of get myself back in the game. But, um, you know, but I'll go, well, I'm back to that now today. So, so the... There's that kind of stuff. There are probably a lot of other things that are so subconscious now that I don't even remember that they're not normal. Um, but I do do a lot of, uh, I have a lot of little practices like that. And I, I do my, one of the things that I do before, like meditating is, is one answer there, right? But I do a, about, if I do a 30 minute meditation, I'll do a 30 minute lead up to my meditation before I do it. Because that 30 minute lead up to my meditation is what determines whether or not that meditation is going to matter. Um, if I <laughs> get, <laughs> okay. Um, well, and maybe I shouldn't say whether or not it's going to matter, but to like to the level that it could impact me. Yeah. I'm really interested so, in this though. I, yeah. All right. Uh, cool. Uh, so, so when I'm, if I'm, going about, okay, first of all, if I just wake up in the morning and I drop into my meditation, you know, I, I may have to deal with some little gremlins on my back at that point saying, think about all the stuff you got to do today. <laughs> think yeah, about you have to the fact that right you, could, you could be getting an extra half an hour in here, buddy. <laughs> and you know, all those little voices <laughs> coming from those little guys. Um, and you know, and so th that, that can happen in the morning. Uh, if I do it late at night, it's all the noise that I'm having to recover from, you know, and trying to get into my meditation. Then it's like, ah, it takes me half a meditation just to get the crap out of my mind. Um, so if alternatively I sit down and I spend 30 minutes, sometimes an hour just doing my mental prep where I'm, you know, listening to something from, you know, Mike Dooley or Esther Hicks or whatever it is that I'm listening to um, that gets me in that positive state, Wayne Dyer, God bless him. Um, you know, that, that stuff gets into my mind and I start to get my mind prepped and, and, and malleable and, and ready to be, to, to go into that special silent room where I'm going to see all the miracles, where I'm going to have clairvoyance, clear vision. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have that clear vision there. I want to be ready for that. It's like you run in a marathon. Obviously, you prep most of the time and then you run the marathon and it's over, you know. Um, but there's a lot of prep before that. I want to get my mind ready and decluttered. I want to get the jitters out of my head. I want to get the noise out, you know, out as much as I can and create kind of this beautiful place as if I were welcoming the Dalai Lama to the house or Thich Nhat Hanh or something. You don't just like throw a, you know, kegger and, and then open the door and, and let, <laughs> let Han in afterwards to see the wake, you know, um, you prep for it. You think about it. You make the place nice. You think about the energy of the room. You think about the clutter. You think about, you know, all these things and, and you want it to be just right. That's how I think about my mind before I go into meditation. And it makes 
man, that's, that's profound awesome. difference in my meditation. I'm going to have to go more intensive to that type of thing. Cause like right now I, my prep would be just reading something from a mindful, um, be here now or something like that. I'll read for about 10, 15 minutes while listening to like Duder, um, Restore some sort of strange, like tribal music or something. I love him, by the way. Oh, dude, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, which really, like, what if you have any other music that you're listening to that you discovered? I figured that you might know of some good stuff to listen to to juice that kind of that kind of mind up. But I I listen to a lot of um uh the Tibetan music and stuff, but I listen to like the Whirling Dervish music. Um, at- Dervish, I like the sound of that. Oh, buddy, I, I'll, it, I'll, I'll hook you up, man. I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Um, but I, yeah, it's Sufi music. Um, and I listen to a lot of Sufi music, uh, even even when I'm working sometimes. But um, it's just good for kind of like, it sort of takes your mind and, and puts it at that like, that nice gear yeah. where it just hums, you know? I've been doing a lot uh, of binaural meditation stuff mm-hmm. lately frequency shifting and i feel like sometimes i do too much of it and i'm like i don't know if this is good for me anymore i've been doing this for like five hours now mm. just oh, like well, I mean, vibrations I think it, in my head yeah yeah fair <laughs> enough uh there's a limit maybe but um no i think that but i think with anything with all of this stuff that we're i mean i mix up i mix it up a lot if i if i do something like the, in my meditation for a month or something then i'm like okay i got to do something different now yeah um that's kind of how i am too. And you could argue too that my, you know, if I do a half hour prep and a half hour meditation, I mean, someone was looking at the situation, you could kind of look at it as an hour long meditation. But for me, it is kind of segments there. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I incorporate all kinds of stuff like music. Sometimes in my meditation, I'll put on music. Uh, Wayne Dyer has this one I am uh, thing where they found out like the, the notes of like, god <laughs> it's this amazing sound that plays whatever i'll send it to you but i play that you know to kind of get my mind connected in that space and sweet uh, on that frequency because ultimately i'm looking at everything in life you know like like nikola tesla as a vibration <laughs> everything is a vibration uh and and looking at energy from that perspective and and recognizing that my uh, my vibration is who I am. So I I need to be very mindful about what that is and what influences that vibration. That's when boundaries come in and things like that. So yeah, it makes, makes a big difference. And one, just for everybody that's still hanging on here, um, Jared has (laughs) one of the best resource pages that I often go to where he Mm. has just compiled all of these amazing things, um, that he gets inspiration from or, really just absorbs himself in from documentaries to books to, uh, I don't know. You have music on there too, don't you? A couple, a couple things. Yeah. Uh, some of the ones that were big inspirations for me. And then the, the one that I, the album that I use for my podcast is a soundtrack from planetary and th- those right. cats, I contacted them. Like that was another one, man. I used them on my podcast a couple, you know, for the first run or whatever. And then I was going to send it to them and say, Hey, is it okay if I use your music, but I wanted them to hear what it was. You know, if I just say, Hey, I'm going to have a podcast. Can I, they're like, uh, no, but they listened to it. So the, the, the little gremlin hung on my back, man, for too long. I, I don't know if I'll go into how long for too long where I was using their music without permission. And I felt like, dude, why don't you just ask? Why can't you just ask? And I, you know, I, whatever, I went through my little thing and I finally did. 
And they came back and they were like, look, we're all three on different continents, but we took a chance to, you know, to, or took the time to listen to your podcast. We loved it. And we'd like to offer you the whole album, not just the one song. Use it as much <laughs> as you want. About, and I was like, oh, God, thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was huge, but that, that was a little gremlin story that I overcame. But, and, and now I, I do love to promote their work as well, but it's beautiful music. I saw that little note um, on the resource page. If you guys go to nepradio.com slash resources, is that right? Yeah, it's got, yeah, it says slash in the menu, it says education, but it's actually this URL is actually there's you can get it's a rabbit hole of goodness that you can get lost in for a long time. And if you ever need some inspirational content, go there, um, click something, you'll find something inspirational for sure. Thanks for that, man. At the end of all these episodes, I'm trying to let the guest ask me one question that they think would make me uncomfortable and I want to answer it authentically, um, to kind of build up my you know, my muscle to be able to overcome any type of weakness that I may have. So I'm going to open that up to you. If you have any question that you think could make me uncomfortable. Hmm. That's an interesting question for you. <laughs> I think about things that would make other people uncomfortable. That's pretty easy, but to make you uncomfortable, I'm not sure if I've got anything in the bag for that, but, um, oh man, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that the things that make me uncomfortable really have to do a lot with my doubts about things that I'm not too keen on talking about. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would ask you, like, what what would be, what do you feel is something that is your biggest doubt about yourself or your beliefs that that rears its ugly head and and, and raises some causes some havoc in your life, or potentially? Oh man, I try so hard to work towards not allowing myself to doubt because you know that the battle is being able to overcome that. That's why it's the most uncomfortable thing for me to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I honestly, I, I have this really bad problem where I, everything that I create, I just, I doubt anybody wants it or needs it. Um, and it comes like kind of in relation to, you know, when you have a very high, you work towards something for so long and you actually achieve it. And then all of a sudden you're in that zone where like, you, you know, you've gotten to the peak and we want to have these lives where we never stop peaking, but like, then you have to come down and you yeah. know it. And like, what do you do in that situation and that feeling? And a lot of times for me, if I create something and it, yeah, sometimes it does peak and then I'm coming down and I'm like, okay, well, that was awesome. What's next? And I can sort of contain myself, but other times it doesn't quite peak like you think. And then you start questioning yourself or like it can even happen for a normal person. Like if somebody's really, um, insecure about themselves and they would just want some help and they post something on Facebook and nobody responds, like all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, delete the post. Like this is a scary thing. Yeah. And I think it happens to me creatively as well, where I'll get to a point where I should ship something or I should share something or I'm trying to help people, but I don't know if it's the best way to do it. And then I just start doubting myself. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well I can't share that. And then it just starts backtracking and then I get insecure and I start thinking like, why am I here in the first place? Why did I even get away from my job? Why, you know, how did I do that? Maybe I should just go back to doing what I did before. And like all of the gremlins start having the tap dance inside of my head and it's fucking painful. Um, and I'll break down and like, I lose myself. And I think that that's just, 
Like with the domination deck, dude, I look at some of those cards and I'm like, is this stupid? Like, should I put mm-hmm. this out there? And with the journal, I'm like, people send me messages from all over the world about how, how much it's helped them. But I'm still saying like in my head, are they just telling me that? Like, is it really mm-hmm. helping them? Like, does it really suck? Or are people just saying it because they want me to feel better? And it's just something that I constantly struggle with and I doubt. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Well, it's, it's relevant. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, uh, people, you and I are both producing stuff, right? We have stuff like we books and, and things and yeah. the, your deck and our podcast and th- like th- we have stuff. So it's easy for people to look at that and be like, oh, well, obviously I don't have that problem. I'm like, well, yep, we sure do. Just like anybody else. Uh, and, and it's, it's different. It happens different ways and at different levels and things like that. Um, but it's, still the same thing in the it's still the same damn gremlin (laughs) (laughs) and i i think one of the ways i deal with it is humor like just in trolling and doing some of these weird little things that i sometimes will do just to like see if anybody notices and i you know when you look at the sweet ass journal and the sweet ass domination deck like the the grammatically correct way to do it would be to put a hyphen in between sweet and ass right but i don't and I hate hyphens, by the way. Well, I'm glad yeah, you did. I did it, but like to somebody who's a stickler on that, if you read the sweet ass domination deck, you're reading the sweet ass domination deck. <laughs> and like to me, I'm like, who would even think about that? But I thought about that before, and was like, you know, this is this is interesting. But I eventually, I finally got a response to one of my emails. Um, and the guy is cool. Like I like him, and in. in uh, I don't know him well. He's he gets my motivational emails list, and I sent a motiva- motivational email out that actually said it was it was a message about not letting small things get to you, um, mm. in my own weird, unique, vocal, ridiculous way. And he had responded and was like, uh, "I really appreciate the message today. It's great. I needed that, but this is something that's really <laughs> been bothering me." And so immediately I'm like, "Wait, wait, what?" <laughs> And so then I'm like, what is he going to say? And so I start reading and it's like, there is a huge difference between sweet ass with a hyphen and sweet ass without like a very big difference. And like, consider this. And he's like, when you read this, it's actually about ass domination and all this stuff. And it's really bothering me. And I was just like, that's just all the more reason why I'm not putting a hyphen in there. Yeah. I mean, now you've got a story. <laughs> you know, I, now I, I am a copywriter by trade. Like I get paid to get things right grammatically yeah. and I hate hyphens. I don't even like the Cause I'm also a designer. I like the way they look. <laughs> so so I, I support your lack of hyphens. <laughs> so now I'm thinking like sweet ass book. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> it could just be a book of, asses it's just so much ass and like i i really respect that um like i'm happy that that he responded and pointed yeah. that out to me in case i didn't know and it was a ridiculous thing but um it's just funny to me like i i like to put that in the universe because when i started writing people were like you can't i actually had some like grammatical editors read some of my stuff and be like i don't even know how to do anything with this because you're just you're writing like you talk and this is just not correct And I was like, but that's what I'm, you know, that is what I want to write like so that I can get in the heads of who I'm talking to because I'm better at talking than I am at writing. And, um, 
if I had done what they had said, I would have never had the following that I do now with the stuff that I do put out there and write because it does effectively get to people. And so it's just weird imagine if you read that. a book by Joe Rogan or something and it was like, and then I went down to the store. <laughs> like, that's not <laughs> Joe Rogan. Like, you want it to be the way the guy sounds. I yeah, mean, you should be writing the way that you. It all sound. goes back to authenticity, man, doesn't it? Like, it all goes back to authenticity. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, Absolutely. Last thing. I would like to give you 30 seconds to motivate the fuck out of the audience to work towards a lifestyle of never stop peaking. So you're on now. So go. Oh, right on. All right. Well, um, I think that my, uh, I'll start with my favorite quote. My favorite quote is from uh, Maya Angelou and she talks about people will forget the things that you did. They will all, and people forget things that, that you said, but they will always remember the way that you made them feel. And I, that, that, that's been such a guiding light for my life and, and saying, look, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm going to get off this podcast and I may not even remember half the shit we talked about. <laughs> it's very likely at this point in the game that yeah, I may not. Because this is a long, long one. one. <laughs> uh, but I remember the way I remember the thing. Uh, and I, I want to be the kind of guy that brings light into the room. And, and when I talk about, if, if I have an opportunity to motivate people here, I'd say, let your light shine, tend to that light to such a degree. And the way that we talked about telling a story today and connecting with your higher self to such a degree that it, 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 it inadvertently even brings out the light in those around you because people have it in them and they want it to come out. They want to let it out. They want to have that exchange with someone. They want that sloppy tear field man hug. <laughs> they want that kind of <laughs> stuff, but they just don't talk about it. They don't open themselves up until someone comes in and liberates their soul. And I want to be the type of guy that liberates people to let their light shine. And, and I think that, that quote from Maya Angelou has, has really helped me to, uh, to take that into my life everywhere I go and to say, remember, people are going to remember the way that you make them feel. So I, I'm very conscious about my energy and my vibration and, and those things because it doesn't matter what it's about. We talk about groceries or, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. If I can bring some light into somebody's life, I, I want to do that. And I, I certainly in, encourage everyone to do that. We all have the ability to do that. Maybe you don't know about quantum physics or about this or that or whatever, but you can always bring the light out in somebody else. But it starts <laughs> with yours. <laughs> you took about 10 times as much time as I gave you, but it worked out pretty well. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because I said 30 seconds and then you started the Maya Angela quote at like, 15 seconds in. So by the time the quote was over, it was already done. Good. All right. Well, <laughs> um, where can we get in touch with you, man? I'm going to obviously put this on heatharmstrong.com. If you go to the podcast section, um, this will be attached to it and we'll share it throughout the interwebs as well. But if people want to get in touch with you and follow you, where is the place? Well, given my rather unique name, Jared Angaza, everything on social media, <laughs> And then jaredangaza.com is my website. Word uh, and, and I'm on, I'm not real active on social media. So my, my website is there. And then, uh, and my podcast is inipiradio.com. I imagine you'll write that in the show notes. Uh, and then on Twitter, I am there if you're into the activist scene and you want to hear me throw down on that front. Uh, and that's Jared Angaza as well. Fallen man. Uh, dude, I knew this was going to be a long one, to be honest. 
Um, I'm really happy that it was. I think I got a lot of healing out of this. I hope other people that listening do it as well. And we let's just when we walk away, do not forget how weird that shit was that we were talking about earlier with the interconnectedness. Oh, I won't. I feel <laughs> I'm like about to go have dinner with my wife and tell her about it. <laughs> I know, dude. I feel like we really should get Jules into a call at some point and just kind of have a discussion about that. I think it would be really interesting. Um, I think we've just been called to do so. So I'm in it. Let's do it. And I would like, if you're open to this, Jared, and I know I ta- asked you this before and you said, yes, um, I'd like to bring you into the Gremlin Smashers group to a, a, a live Q and a that wouldn't last near as long as this, just to open it up to people that have questions about storytelling. Um, yeah. I do have a whole workshop on storytelling. We didn't yeah. even get into. Yeah. yeah, I know we have, because there's a lot of stuff that we had to cover here. And, you know, <laughs> um, well, we, we covered a lot of groundwork. So now the next time we can be more concise. Yeah, you'll be, you'll be on the show again. <laughs> we can dial into some subjects, but, um, I'll get that set up with you for anybody who's not in the Gremlin Smashers group. You can get access if you I'm going to shamelessly plug if you buy the sweet ass journal on Amazon, which is actually a pretty good deal for 15 bucks. I'm not going to lie. Um, you can you'll <laughs> get worth a, it. Yeah, you'll get a link that actually uh, gives you access to this group where we do live Q&A's. And I'm going to bring Jared in there and we'll do one of these incredible um, they're really small. They're fun. They're get togethers. It's not like there's 100 people in there. It's usually like 10 people. And it's Even very better. close and unique. So it works out well. Um, and just everything else. I just want you guys to remember that you cannot really become the person that you dream of being by remaining who you are right now. Uh, so give that past a friendly slap on the ass and embrace those new directions um, of change and, and the wind that is coming with you and just let it flow. Because with every choice that life presents, you got to make the uncomfortable decision to explore the unknown. Otherwise I wouldn't be here today. Jerry wouldn't be here today. And you're only free if nothing holds you back. Uh, So be a fucking superstar and work towards that darkness and see what kind of lights at the end of that tunnel. Absolutely. Cheerios, man. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to Earth. This is Todd. I just wanted to check in with you lovers again and see how those nipples were feeling after such a sensual episode. That Jared and Gaza is such a sexy beast and I'm so happy that Heath was able to get him on the show. Um, if you guys want to help out the cause, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever silly little platform you're listening through. And for every review, we will read them aloud if they are sexy enough and donate $2 to the Help International Foundation that Heath works with in Uganda. For all the show notes, go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. And to get entered into the giveaway for Jared's sexy book, when wisdom meets passion, you can go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. Does that sound good to you all? Mmm. Tootsie, 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 too. Anyway, 
You could follow Heath Armstrong on all of his social media endeavors at Heath Fist Pumps. And um, I think that's all for now. Just wanted to give a little shout out again to that cute little boy, Jeremy Thomas, for putting together the music for the intro and the outro. And of course, Heath always has lots of fun getting ready to rap on some incredible podcast traps. So uh, catch you all later. Ta-ta, toots. (laughs) 